Ron has dedicated his life to transforming lives through business as an entrepreneur, and in the last few years as a coach, speaker, and author. He introduces us to the process of alignment, which is also the title of his recently published book. He offers within that book a roadmap for how people can transform their lives so we can live authentic, free, on purpose, empowered, so we can all learn to bring our unique possibility to the world in service of others. Man, this is a good one. Thanks for being here, y'all. Let's dive in. excitement and curiosity and I'm here and I'm in and this is Ron checking in I have a feeling of gratitude a feeling of inner peace an openness willingness to share I can hear the birds outside my window smell the Christmas of the air, the morning air. I'm happy. I'm excited to be here. So Ron, a joy to be with you this morning. As our first question here, I'd love to read back to you a section from the beginning of your book, if that's okay, and then ask you a question about it. You cool with that? That sounds great. All right. Okay, here we go. I, like you, have been on a journey through life with ups and downs, twists and turns, with all its opportunity, as well as unpredictability, inconsistencies, conflicts and dysfunction. However, my life has been good overall with many great relationships, experiences, adventures and successes. I have been living what appeared to be a successful life, but there always seemed to be something missing. There was this inner sense of emptiness and dissatisfaction. I felt that something in me was incomplete. I was constantly thinking of where I could be that would be better than where I was. So. That's in the early pages of your book, as you talk about the journey through your life that led you to some of these insights around personal transformation and power and some of the challenges within our society. And as I read that, I was thinking about just the people in our world today. And for myself, I've worked as a therapist and coach for a little over a decade now. And that sense of emptiness and dissatisfaction, that feeling that something is incomplete is something I've seen so many people carrying and so many people carrying through most of their life. So my question to you is, how much of your life would you say that was a key aspect of what was going on? I would say that definitely up until I was 20, 
even though when I was early in my, in my teen years, I started to become more aware of the way people were living their lives and that I wanted to live my life differently. And I wanted to live an authentic life. I wanted to be unique. I wanted to be me, not some label. Not, and, and so I ended up not wearing clothes with labels on them to the best of my ability. It really began in my teen years. But as I, and I wanted to be unique, but as I got into college, as I got into the professional world, I started to develop a life that was modeled after what I perceived to be successful people. And it pulled me away from, I could feel it. It was pulling me away from who I was authentically. I was trying to be somebody else. And that began to exacerbate those feelings that I felt inside of emptiness, inauthenticity, all of that, that I kind of reflected in that paragraph that you read out of the first part of the book. So definitely up until when I was 29, and that's when I had a lot of success as an account exec in high tech with IBM and got a lot of rewards and recognition for a very large first of its kind implementation, a $50 million system. But the rewards and recognition felt empty. And that's when I began the journey to discover how do you really live an authentic, true life? How do you get from where you are? How do you understand your life the way it is? And how do you get from there to your greatest life? So it really was around when you were 20, that question, it sounds like, really started to blossom, where you really felt this real curiosity and commitment around wanting to be unique and to live an authentic life. And yet, although that question blossomed then, it really like throughout your 20s, you then started to notice like, it's actually like really hard to do that. It's so easy to get then caught up in these cycles of doing things that build a big, bright, shiny, successful life, but then end up not feeling authentic and rooted within our unique self. No, that's very true. And the thing that made it difficult is even though as I got into my 30s and I decided I was going to go on a search to answer those two questions, how do you explain your life the way it is? And how do you get from there to your greatest life? I did a ton of reading. I did workshops. I did my own personal transformation work. But there didn't seem to be any model and approach or process for understanding those two questions. And so I searched and searched for many years. And I learned truths along the way. And I applied them to my life. So my life became more and more authentic. I was living the type of life that I wanted to live to some extent, but I still had those underlying feelings continue. And so, again, I kept, I just kept searching because I knew there had to be an answer that was more simple to understand in the complex world of personal development and that would allow me to journey from where I was to, to my greatest life. Now, as we start to explore a little bit of this map that you've discovered that really shows and can provide guidance and guide rails for leading somebody to expanding their life to feel more whole and full, right at the beginning of that journey, it sounds like mirrors 
much of your own journey, which is this question around what is authentic authenticity really? And I'm reminded of the, the translation of authenticity. So authenticity comes from two Greek words, which genuinely means like being self or being your real self. And it, it mirrors that, that question that you had at 20, which was like, how do I make sure that I'm not a manufactured self? And it brings up this thought for me that I was reflecting on this morning as I look back at my notes from your book. So I'd love to share some of this with you and then get some of your thoughts. For me, I went through my early childhood and I really struggled with ADHD. And I was like a quote unquote problem from the very beginning of when I started school. And so for me, my identity has never really been one of being a pleaser, of accommodating people. Um, as a kid, that's just not what I defaulted to. In fact, I was more of the opposite of I, I'm not going to be who I think other people want me to be. There, there was something within me that just decided that wasn't what I was going to do. And I'm not saying that was always right or wrong even, but that's just what happened. And what's interesting about that is I became this like, sometimes a bully, sometimes a class clown. But then when I got into my high school years, what I began to notice was like, I actually don't know who I am because this persona that I had created was not necessarily written by the rules of who other people told me I should be, but it was written in exact opposition to that. And so the power was still with everyone else outside of me. It wasn't rooted in my deep inner experience. It was rooted in me being this person that wasn't going to follow the rules, that was going to chart my own path, but was just going to do things that were the opposite of what people said was okay. And right. then I went through this path of like really getting caught up in addiction and then going through withdrawal. And that recovery and discovery process led me through this like existential crisis. And I remember when I was going through that process, it was, I was like struggling with a permanent panic attack almost every day as I was going through withdrawal and the recovery process. And I was a philosophy major in undergrad. And I had this one book that I carried with me throughout like the several months where it was really the most intense. And I was struggling with this anxiety, this depression. I was basically spending all my time either working out or calling experts, trying to figure out how to fix my brain and then reading and taking courses online. And this one book I carried around was called, Who Am I? And it was by a philosopher named Richard Preck. But what he did was he deconstructed this sense of self. So I very much was in this like existential crisis. And what Preck essentially illustrates are all of these environmental factors that go into shaping our sense of self, that we have this biology that is out of our control that we're born with, that the universe is a part of shaping. We have the family we're born into. We have whatever their cultural beliefs are of that family. We have the education systems that we go through. We have all these different factors that contribute to being who we are. And then those factors also impact our very genetics. And so we have our biology, these lived experiences, and this biography we write about those experiences that all don't really have a separation between us and others, that other people have this impact. And so I started to warm up to really what was Preck's idea in that book, which was you have a self, but it's fluid. 
it's dynamic. And then as my recovery journey gained a little bit more purpose and direction, and I went back to school, I then explored things like, uh, like Socrates, who said, the unexamined life is not worth living, or Plato, the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing, or Aristotle, knowing thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. But then that's contrasted with these quotes in the modern world of folks like Oscar Wilde saying, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. And so I was holding this question of who the hell am I? Like, I, I know in my teenage years, I don't want to be that persona that I created. But also, I now know that I have these deep emotional experiences within me that were not in line with that persona. And so I, there are some things within me that feel true, that need to be included in some sense of self that I have. But I don't know that I can find a separate sense of self that isn't connected to others. And then I dove deep into Eastern philosophy that really has this idea of the anatman which is the no self, that there is no separate self that's separate from the universe. And so I'm laying out all these threads here. These were threads that I was holding when I was 20. And I was essentially asking, well, what the hell does all of this mean? I'm holding this idea that, okay, the self is fluid and the self has to include my inner embodied experiences and also my ideas of who I want to become. And yet I also believe this idea that there is no substantive self that is totally separate from everything else in the universe. I want to just really double click into this. Yeah. It's really this like idea of what is a self and how do we make sure that we're not a manufactured self? And can we ever really be sure that there is a self that's separate from everyone else? Like the final thought that really come, comes into there that I think is the final thread to weave in is like that quote from Jorge Luis Borges, which is, I'm not sure that I exist, actually. I am all the writers that I have read, all the people that I have met, all the women that I have loved, all the cities that I have visited. And so I, at times in my life, I know deeply a feeling of confidence and alignment with my authentic and true self. And yet, if you were to ask me to write it down as to what it is, I don't know that I could put it in words of yeah. who I am. So Ron, can, yes. can you help us make sense of these threads? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that was fantastic description and really does lead into the underlying concepts of the book. At the beginning of the book in chapter one, I start off with, who am I? Which is an age-old question. It's, it's been asked for eons. Nobody really understands what that means. Who yeah. am I? You described it so well. Because, and so I really dug into that. I'm saying, who am I? And who do I want to become? And so I, uh, chapter two becomes a very important part of answering your question. It's a chapter called, Why Is My Life Like This? And I wanted to, in a very simple way, in the midst of the way people's lives are developed, to help people understand really how their life is developed. And that is from the time people are born until they're 25. It's a life created from many different outside sources none of which are coordinated. They don't talk to each other. Some are great sources. Some are good sources. Some are dysfunctional. Some have conflicting viewpoints. Some are abusive. 
some are manipulative, some are trauma. And all of that stuff gets stuffed into your body. And by the time you're 25, you say, this is who I am. You accept it. And most people never go back and re-examine it. So it's a bunch of stuff stuffed in your body. I try to keep it that simple rather than getting into the all the jargon on about how a person's life has developed because it really does need to be kept simple. And then the rest of the chapter, once a person understands how their life has developed from a lot of outside sources, so it's a life developed from the outside in, then I describe these are the impacts that it has on your life. You're really using that self. And I call it in the concepts of alignment, I call it your shell because it's separate from who you authentically are at the core of who you are. It's pulled you away from that and you're lost in this fog of inauthenticity. I call it your small eye. It's not your real eye. That's why you're confused because most people are confused because they believe that's who they are. But and that's their small eye, their big eye is at their core that they've been pulled away from. The small eye is the shell. The small eye is the shell. Exactly. It's like the shell of an egg. The life is within. The real life is within. The shell is just a thin layer that appears to be what the chicken is as it's going through the development process within the, within the egg. So the shell is like, is like our persona. It's that create that's based that's based on all of these ideas of who we believe we should be in order to navigate through this fog that we've been experiencing. Yeah, and I would say it's not what we created; it's what other created for us, right? Mm. Just accepted it. All this outside input in the creation of who we think we are by the time we're twenty-five, and then we continue to use that shell, the inauthentic persona or an inauthentic self as we live life. And we, because we accepted the outside in input, we continue to look outside of ourselves for everything of value. So when we look for information, we look outside of ourselves. When we look for power, we look outside of ourselves. When we look for the things that, if we're feeling empty or insecure, whether we look outside ourselves for something to either cover it up like in the case of coping mechanisms and drinking, gambling, shopping, whatever, sex, we look outside of ourselves. And so that's the, we live in that fog. We live in that inauthentic persona for the rest of our lives. And Ron, what is the fog? The fog is the makeup. It's all that stuff that has been stuffed inside your body that creates what I call in the book, your shell your inauthentic persona. That's the fog. So the the fog feeds into creating the shell? The fog, I just use that as a metaphor, the fog. You're just lost in the fog. Everybody's been lost in it. It doesn't feel good. You can't find your way out of it. You're just in the fog. And that's where people are lost in that part of themselves that's been developed from the outside in. And and your description just a little bit ago was so perfect. We looked we looked for all these different. Oh, and let me let me back up. It as I started trying to find an answer to how do you get from that part of yourself to your authentic self to your greatest life, 
I started doing a lot of reading and, and, and doing workshops as I described and my own inner transformational work, trying to find that answer, that simple approach in the complex world of personal development. And I read a lot of books and I found truths and applied them to my life. It started to make more sense, but I still couldn't find the, an answer, a process and a model that would allow me to understand life the way it is, and then using that same model and process to journey from there to my greatest life. And it took 25 years. There, there were a lot of books that were fantastic. There were bestsellers, but I just couldn't. They introduced truths, but then I said, what do I do with it? Like a lot of people, they say, okay, this is great, and I can apply it to my life. It's going to help me. But how do you really, truly transform your life? So the life, the journey really is an inner journey, right? It's recognizing that your life is inauthentic and you've been separated from your authentic self. And then the journey is inward by bringing yourself present and then journeying past and dissipating that shell to get to who you are authentically at your core. So the life journey of beginning to live beyond just staying limited within that shell is about accepting that the journey is inward, that no one out there is going to give you the roadmap for you to follow to live your fullest, greatest life. That path toward your truest self and your greatest life is one that requires that you step inward to exploring your inner experience. Yeah, yes, yes. It's got to be a journey that you take on your own by yourself. You can be guided along the process. but And supported. You can be guided and supported along the process. I know for me, what I've begun to see is that there's like this bi-directional relationship between what I would call is belonging, like a connection to our like expansive self or to the universe or to God, but essentially like what it looks like to live outside the shell, that expansive self. And we can get tastes of that through relationships with others or through relationships with nature or through a relationship with a dog, like really feeling deep belonging. And then Mm -hmm. there's psychological flexibility, which is like our ability to connect with our emotions and take actions that align with what matters most to us. And like, these are forces that can feed one another. The struggle is we often miscalculate and we think we can just live in the shell and do things that other people think we should do in order to fit in, to avoid judgment, rejection, and disappointment or shame from disappointing anyone else. Mm -hmm. And then we end up sacrificing both because we can't actually feel that belonging if we're not connected to ourselves. And we end up making our connection with our emotions and our identity being really small and narrow. And so it's this like, the just total miscalculation that we have. And so as you're saying that that journey has to, in this society, we have to reemphasize that this is an inward journey. That although it can include others and that we are communal beings and that we can be guided and supported, that we also have to take some responsibility over the fact that if we want to live a fulfilling life, 
we've got to dive into our inner experience to figure out what's going on in there and to let that lead. Exactly. That's right. It's, I call it what is, I call it the shift of source. Mm. The, the source of life right now is your out is your shell, your inauthentic self, right? That's the way most people live their life all their life. And then again, since you're living an outside in life, the other part of that source is to con- continue to look out some outside of themselves for their source of life. The journey is inward. And it's not that you stop living your life while you're going through that inward journey, what I call alignment in the book. You do, but you've got to do it by yourself for yourself. If other people are providing your in, the input as you're going through that inward journey of going past the shell, of dissipating it, and getting to your authentic life, and then connecting to a new inner source of life. I call it your inner source of life. When you, know, when you start to dissipate the shell, you start to hear your inner self. You start to recognize it and the truth of it, and you start to trust it. And then you start to be in relationship with it. You start to be in presence of it. And then you can turn around once you've dissipated that inauthentic persona, and there's gradual ways of doing that, gentle ways of doing it, then you turn around and you build your life from the inside out. You discover your inner purpose. You discover what, or you create what I call your dynamic possibility that is in service of a group of people that you're here to serve. And when you get those three things in alignment, your inner purpose that is serving the group of people you're here to serve by bringing that dynamic possibility that brings tremendous value into their lives, you're living your greatest life. You'll jump out of bed to do it whether you got paid for it or not. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And the amazing thing, Matt, is when you get to that inner part of yourself, you discover the inherent traits that are part of who you actually are and they're they're traits that you've been looking outside in the world for all of your life and they are there are five main ones there's unconditional love there's an unlimited amount of unconditional love within yourself there's a deep inner peace there's true individual freedom There's a sense of joy, not happiness, because happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. But joy can remain constant. And then, which is, again, an inherent trait within yourself, of your authentic self. And then there's, because you're you're at a place where you know you're authentic, you're experiencing those other four traits, then you have this sense of contentment because you're exactly where you need to be. And Ron, what is unconditional love and how is it different from conditional love or like imitating love, particularly Uh, if we have some leaders or really just any listeners that are listening right now and they're sort of maybe even some that are rolling their eyes, like unconditional love, like really, what is that? What do you mean? What is, how is that different from love in general? What is that? Yeah. The reason why, and I have a friend like this from high school <laughs> and I described, I talked about unconditional love and she says, unconditional love doesn't even exist. And I said, you know what? You're right. 
out in the world that doesn't exist in very limited quantities. The people that have exuded unconditional love are revered. People want to go up and touch them because they feel that unconditional love coming from them. They've mm. discovered that they're the people that have discovered that unlimited supply of unconditional love within themselves, but it doesn't exist out in the world. And that's why people don't believe it. And it, and they're right. It doesn't exist. Conditional love ex exists. In fact, I just had an experience with this, had a discussion with a friend and he and his, his significant other, they had a conflict with a friend and that friendship went away. There was mm. love. And then it went away because something of something somebody said. So it was conditional love, wasn't it? It wasn't unconditional love. So we experience that all the time. But we don't realize that the source of unconditional love, where it actually exists, is within ourselves, which is an amazing thing. And I'll tell you, this isn't just me talking about it. I'm saying I wrote it in the book because I experienced that. I journeyed inward, especially when after I discovered alignment after 25 years of searching and what I call your the I model. Those two things work hand in, in the transformational process described in the book. So I decided I'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna formalize being a coach. This happened many years ago. I'm gonna formalize being a coach. I'm gonna treat myself as my first client. And so I was going through a lot of releasing of the contents of my shell as sure. they came up life, as they were triggered. And I was working on this every day. And this one particular period of that work, I had been doing releasing all day long. And I had a moment where all of a sudden I disappeared, everything around me disappeared. And the only thing left was unconditional love. It was the most phenomenal experience. I started crying. I said, mm. this is it. I said, this is it. I said, this is what we're all looking for. We're looking for this unconditional love that isn't out in the world, but it's within ourselves. It's who we are. It's part of who we are. And when you discover that within yourself, you don't have to search for unconditional love. You just become unconditional love. It's who you are. And then you have unlimited supply that you then radiate out into the world. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm reminded of really some of the first times. And then, yes, yeah, so I'm reminded of some of the first times that I really ever experienced that and how that then impacted my personal growth, as well as the way that I show up in relationships and in work. And I'm reminded of like, anytime I've experienced that afterwards, how that it's almost like every single time I experience, I get a little bit of like an expansion of like my connection with myself and my connection with life. And I'd say for me, I remember the first time it was, I was at a festival on MDMA and it, so I had just gone through grad school training as a therapist and had been studying deeply mindfulness meditation. And so I had a lot of skills and tools for relating with myself, but with the help of psychedelics, I was able to really access a lot more energy, heal a lot more internally very quickly. And I remember this experience of unconditional love and like 
it being the first time that I had any sort of memory of ever experiencing that. And then the immediate grief and heartbreak that sort of came with that of this has been here the whole time. And I've been living really like small and scared and resentful and lonely, like isolating myself and suppressing parts of myself out of fear of being judged or fear of failing or fear, fear of being rejected, fear of disappointing myself. And that having that experience, one, may be more courageous to be vulnerable and build more rich relationships in my life, but also gave me a peek behind the curtain of what's possible of, oh, maybe we can build world systems that actually help people create this sort of relationship within themselves and with each other more often. And mm -hmm. since then, I've had lots of experiences, whether through meditation, through partnership, both sober, both through psychedelic journeys that mirror some of what you talk about in the book of that experience of unconditional love. And mm -hmm. it's very different than how we typically think about love, because we often are sold this story that love is something that you have to chase, you have to get, you have to earn. Mm -hmm. But really, it's more of this perspective I hear you talking about, which is love isn't something you chase or that you get. It's not something that is given to you. It's something that you are. That's right. And a great a metaphor for that, and I include this, that in the book because it's so important, is the experience that people have. And you described a couple of experiences, right? You do use psychedelics. And what basically what that's doing is it's, it's getting rid of the shell, the inauthentic self in that moment that you're on psych psychedelics and it drops you into what I call the intersection of your life, the place where you're authentic and where you experience all of the traits of that place within deep within yourself. The problem with psychedelics, if that's what you rely on only, then you have to keep using them to have that experience. So it's you have that experience, you recognize it, you see it, but then the journey is at the actual work of getting beyond the inauthentic persona to get to and be able to stay in that place within yourself where you have all the experience of all of those traits, unconditional love, deep sense of peace. But yeah, the, like those psychedelics are a helpful ally and tool, and it's important to treat them with the respect similar that we might a temple. You don't spend all day and all of your life just living in the temple. You go and you treat the temple with respect and reverence and learn things there. You restore there. And then you go out and you're of service in the world and you live your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other thing I had in my book that I was, I was bringing up is the experience of being in love. Everybody thinks that when you fall in love with somebody that you're, you're getting love from them and they're getting love, give, getting love from you and that you're in love with each other. But what the, when you understand that within yourself, you have unconditional love, what's actually happening when you fall in love with somebody is you're actually taking the journey of alignment. You're actually taking that journey inward. So you meet somebody, you're completely infatuated with them, you're just totally in love with them. You feel that sense of being in love with them. And what's actually happening is you're bringing yourself completely to the present moment, right? The past doesn't matter. The future doesn't matter. And 
there's no judgment and you drop yourself right past your inauthentic self, your shell, to that place within yourself that, again, I call it the intersection of your life, your authentic self. And you fall into your own love. It's your love. It's your unconditional love that you're feeling. And they're doing the exact same thing. They're falling into their unconditional love. And you join together and your unconditional love is intermingled, right? You're in the sea of unconditional love with each other. And in that moment, you have discovered your authentic eye, the big eye that we're all look, been looking for, right? You're not in your small eye anymore. You're in your big eye. You have discovered who am I in that moment. So is that other person. And the connection is an eye-to-eye -eye relationship. And you're in oneness with each other. It's a beautiful experience. What happens, though, is because they haven't, each person hasn't done the work, and this is what leads to problems in relationships and divorce, is they haven't done the work to dissipate the shell. They're in an inauthentic persona. So at some point, they start to be pulled away from their authentic self, and they get back into your the world of their inauthenticity, and the one person's shell starts clashing with the other person's shell. They start to feel all of the dysfunction and all of the emptiness and all the conflict that is contained with the makeup of each one of their individual shells, and it starts to create problems. So the journey for each person is to make that journey inward past their authentic inauthentic self, start to dissipate it, and then get to that authentic part of themselves. And the other person needs to do the same. So rather than have a small eye to small eye relationship, you have an eye big eye relationship, an authentic relationship. And Ron, I'm curious, the power of partnership and the deep initiations that it invites, these opportunities to face our shell over and over again, and to choose to feel and heal our experiences that are in the way of us accessing that love. I'm curious, what then happens to the shell over time? Does the shell erode and, and dissolve? Does the shell shrink down and just get smaller and smaller? It does. And the way to do it, I call it empowering the intersection with I in quotes, right? Empowering your I, your authentic I. And the way to do and it's a, it's a day by day process, is getting into a routine where you allow yourself to become present and in presence with both your inner world and your outer world, right? And you allow, as you get triggered by things and you feel those emotions within yourself, you use that not as a way to get angry with, with the world around you, but rather you use them as a tool to allow those things within your conscious or subconscious to surface because they're surfacing for a reason for you to hear something to understand something about yourself, 
And then you use techniques, release techniques. So once you hear the message behind the emotion, you use the techniques to release both the emotion and the inner belief. Because most of the beliefs that we have within ourselves are ridiculous. They're <laughs> untrue. But, but they're inside of us. And they trigger all of these emotions and reactions that we have. And because we don't ex examine, so like that saying goes, a life, an unexamined life is not worth living. And it's really very true. It's a powerful quote because it is true because you end up, if you don't examine your life and you don't use a, an approach that allows you to dissipate that inauthentic persona that's been created for you from the outside in, to allow yourself to get to that authentic place within yourself and create a life from the inside out, you're just going to live a life in reaction. Something happens, you get triggered, you have an automatic react reaction. Somebody says oh, yeah. something, you react. And you don't even know why, because a lot of those beliefs, especially if they're and or traumas, if they're painful, they've been buried in your subconscious and they're there. But you don't even know it. All you know is some something happened, somebody said something, whatever, and it created this powerful emotion within you, and you just react. Well, I can go ahead. And yeah, I, I can say that from my experience working with many people who have reached incredible economic and social success through their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There's real tragedy that comes and heartbreak that comes once we see it play out. And when I say that, when you see it, when you see the decisions play out of choosing to build the big, bright, shiny life according to what everyone else thinks is important, and then realizing that it all feels hollow because it wasn't actually rooted in what makes you personally come most alive. And mm -hmm. I've seen it over and over again. And that's the that's, I think, the kicker, which to me is like the evidence I underline for anybody that asks, why should I really care about purpose? Does purpose really matter? Everybody's quote unquote, chasing your purpose, find your passion. And that's why I think it matters because you can look at the numbers. There are so many people that have more money than most people could spend in a lifetime who mm -hmm. then end up depressed, anxious, suicidal. Because having lots of stuff doesn't necessarily equate to feeling like you're living a rich life. And That's living from this shell feels sometimes suffocating, sometimes mm -hmm. just incredibly hollow, but either way, it's limiting and small. It is. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're absolutely right. Uh, the possibility, the unlimited possibilities don't exist in that world. Because like you said, it's constrained by your past, by the expectations of all the people around you. People cannot live an unlimited free life. They can't live the unlimited possibilities. They can't live their greatest life by continuing to go down that path where everything outside of themselves takes on all the importance in their life. And they spend no time looking within and saying, what is it that I really want out of life? 
Yeah, you just can't, I call it your Grand Canyon of life, right? And the walls of the Grand Canyon get higher and higher as you go down a life that is lived from the outside in. Because there's more and more expectations. And a lot of the people around you, if they're benefiting from you being a certain way, they don't want you to change. So it takes an inexorbitant amount of commitment to say, I'm going to live an authentic life. And a lot of times people, if they go down that path, if they don't have that commitment, they get pulled back down into the canyon and they have a predetermined direction in life that is inauthentic. And and a lot of people, a lot of people just, they don't know the path. That's why I journeyed down, it's been 25 years looking for it because I wanted it for myself. But I saw everything that you were describing all around me in everybody else's life as well. And I said, there's got to be a better way than this. There's got to be a way to get to that authentic part of yourself and build a different life and, and be able to do it in a way that resists all of those forces that try to pull you back down. Well, Rana, I'd love to have you walk us through a little bit of that roadmap of what that journey looks like. And if somebody's listening, they're like, okay, I want to live beyond the shell. I don't want to keep just building up the walls of my canyon. I want to live from that capital I. What do I do? But before we get into that, there's actually this question and criticism I want to bring into the space. And it's a voice that I can hear from small parts of myself sometimes. And it's certainly an objection and criticism that I hear often within the space of personal development or leadership development or high performance. There's this question that can come up around isn't this conversation really about privilege? Sure. Two white guys on a podcast can talk about connecting with your inner life and that love is really found in there and you can live your fullest, greatest life with rich purpose. All you've got to do is connect with yourself. But what about people that come from historically marginalized communities that have experienced generations of trauma? Are we telling them that it's all their fault and that they need to do a better job of just connecting with themselves? And that's the problem that not having enough food, water, and money isn't real. And so I want to just give voice to that because I can see that question and that criticism often come up for folks. And often I see it as resistance that actually can be like the voice of the ego or the voice of the shell trying to keep us small and really Mm -hmm. trying to protect us from the uncertainty and the vulnerability of actually opening up our minds to some of these ideas. So I think it's important to address. What are your thoughts? What If somebody brings that up to you, what do you say? Yeah. And I believe, and I know that all of us have greatness that lies within us. And what we've got to do is uncover it. We all have the ability to reach the authentic part of ourselves, get connected with our inner source and build a life that is in alignment with our inner purpose. We will never discover our inner purpose while we're sitting in this inauthentic shell, this life that's been created from the outside in. You may think you discovered in a purpose, but it's the purpose a lot of times that is driven by the people around you because they think that your purpose is this. You got to go inward and discover and keep asking the question, what is my inner purpose? 
as you journey down this path of transformation, as you journey inward. Yeah, so I think a lot of those things are, they're real. If a person doesn't have a lot of money, then they don't have a lot of money. If they're living in poverty, it's true, they're living in poverty. But there are so many ways when you discover that if you journey inward, which doesn't cost anything, this path of transformation costs not a dime. It's, you can start it. In fact, I encourage people to start it right now, right now. There's nothing stopping anybody from taking this inward journey. And you start to dissipate the shell and get rid of these beliefs and all this trauma and all this stuff, release it because you know within yourself there's an authentic I that is all powerful and it has everything, all the inherent traits, all the things that we're looking for out in the world exists within ourselves. And you don't have to ask anybody for it. You just discover it for yourself as you take that inward journey. And now you don't have to go out looking in the world for it. Rather, you are an unlimited supply of unconditional love you're an unlimited supply of deep inner peace you're an unconditional supporter of your your you have true individual freedom within yourself you don't have to ask anybody for it and because you have it for yourself you start to want it for everybody around you you want them to discover this unconditional love you want them to discover the deep inner peace you want them to discover this joy and contentment that you're feeling and then from that place you uncover your inner purpose, create your dynamic possibility. You look outside of yourself now and you start to serve that group of people, bring an incredible value into their lives, right? So all of these things that seem so important when you're living your shell, like skin color or being poor or all the things that pull you, you back into this Grand Canyon of life that has been defined by other people in the past or your what has happened to other generations or whatever, all of a sudden that stuff isn't very important anymore because you've discovered your greatness within yourself and the value yeah. that you bring value that you're bringing into the world. Yeah. I think I look at everybody and I just look at the potential that everybody has. And I don't accept that they have limitations. I just don't. Yeah. And there's, there's this clip of Alex Ramosi that has made its rounds through social media of something he says, which is there is somebody who has had it worse, who has done it better. And so mm -hmm. there's this, there's this amazing simplicity and also deep complexity around this question of inequity and pain and generational trauma that there are people that are born with less resources and more stress in the life that they live. And to your point, everyone has access to experiencing that deep unconditional love to building that relationship with their deep, true experiences of self right now in this moment. And mm -hmm. regardless of how difficult your life has been, how much privilege you have or have not had, it does not serve you to 
buy into a story that says, because of the stress and pain I have experienced, less is possible for me. And instead, Mm -hmm. when we can turn toward the pain we've experienced and we choose to use it as evidence for opportunity, if we Mm -hmm. turn towards that pain and we use it as opportunities to expand our sense of self, to seek out additional resources for healing ourselves, for connecting with others, if we need help seeking that help, but ultimately choosing to buy into the belief that we aren't limited by our past allows us then to get onto the path of expanding our life, no matter how difficult it's been. And that's not to discount any difficulty anybody has, and it's not to minimize it. It's really just to underline the hope and the truth that anybody, no matter what difficulty they've experienced, has the opportunity in this moment to begin healing and expanding their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Ron, I wonder if you can give us a map and a compass. If some folks are listening and they're hearing like, okay, I can see how in times in my life I have lived inside my shell. I can see the canyon that I've built in my life. And I want to live more in this capital I. I want to live my fullest, greatest life. What's the roadmap they follow? Do they go buy your book now? And if so, if they, once they have that book in their hand, what's the roadmap they're going to be following to then get them to that North star of their greatest, fullest life? Yes. And the answer to that is yes. When I went to the coast, Oregon coast to write the book during the pandemic. And I said, I am not going to come back. And my goal was that I'm going to write a book that anybody could pick up for $20 and transform their life just from the book alone. And it actually was a very intimidating goal because I thought I could do it, but I wasn't quite sure. How long did it take you? I was down there for a full year writing. I already had the book. When I took off, I already had the book outlined. I had the content semi-organized around the chapters, but I took a full 12 months of writing the book. And then I came back and went through another seven months of editing and then publishing the book. So it took a year and seven months. Yeah. But I knew how important it was. I I had discovered alignment for myself 12 years ago after 25 years of searching. And I started writing and coaching around it back then. But I'm also a business coach and I incubate businesses. Now they're around businesses that transform lives. But I, uh, so we launched the business, uh, me and two other partners, and we raised 2.2 million and took it to market. So I was senior VP of business development for that business and it pulled me away from it for about six or seven years. But when I left that business, my dad had Parkinson's and I had to, I said, I'm not going to travel anymore. I'm going to be here for his last two years of his life. And I was able to start once he passed away and I wrapped his stuff up. I was able to focus once again on the book and go down to the Oregon coast and write it. To answer your question, within the book, there are are two, two parts of alignment. One part is the process. And the other part is the model, what I call the I model. So the bulk of the book is to help people develop a new perspective that is required for transformation. There are four shifts of transformation. There's a shift of perspective, 
a shift of source, a shift of intention, and a shift of attention, all of which are contained within the book. But the bulk of the book is to create this new perspective that is required for the transformational process. So the I model has multiple components to it. And I know we don't have a lot of time to go in into depth on each one of these, but one is the shell which we've talked about, and that's the inauthentic persona that's been developed from the outside in. The other part of the model is the impact of time. Everybody thinks that time is so real, but the reality is the past is gone, the future isn't here yet. The only reality is now. It's the only place that is real. It's the only place that where you have any power to do anything. And it's the only place where you can actually live life. Then there's the intersection, which is that innermost part of the model, the innermost part of ourselves, where we discover authentic I. There's the void, which is the gap between your authentic self and your inauthentic self. It's a separation that we experience as our life is developed from the inside out and we get pulled away from our true inner self. It's, you study Eastern spirituality, you've heard the concept duality. Duality is really explained by the, the I model because it's, the duality is that you're living in inauthentic self, your small I, while at the same time, within yourself, your authentic eye exists, but it's been lost, but you can feel it. So you have this duality, living in an authentic life while you're pulled away from your authentic self. You're living a dual life. And the only way- you I, get- I think most of us have felt that pressure, what that feels like, that sort of existential crisis where like you can feel the tension that duality creates within us. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. And the only way you get rid of duality and you get to oneness is you journey inward, dissipating your inauthentic persona and getting to the authentic part of yourself and living a life from the inside out. And then you're not, you don't have duality. You discovered yourself and you're living from that authentic part of yourself. And then there's the, the journey inward to I is another part of the model. And then the shift of source. The shift of source is really important, right? We all say, we've all felt if we've done any type of personal transformational work, is the voice I'm hearing within myself my authentic voice or is it the voice from outside influences? And so you can't, it's a hard concept. It's one that I was really searching for because I felt the same exact thing as I was going through those years of searching. What voice do I actually listen to? And the only way you really discover that inner voice that sh- and then make the shift of source to that inner part of yourself is by actually going through the journey. You start to hear it once you start to dissipate the shell. So anyway, that that's the model, right? That's really important to understand because otherwise, without that understanding, that shift of perspective, it's hard to make the journey and understand what's actually happening. And then the transformational process is five five parts. One is to be present now. Be present now. Be present now. 
then there's body emotions and mind awareness, which is really important, right? Because you can't transform something you, you are unaware of. Then there's creating separation, right? Because you have to understand that you're much bigger than just this body and the stuff that's contained within it that's created from the outside in to be able to let it go. Because if you're letting go of what you believe you are in totality, you're letting go of everything. Then what's left when you're done? So you got to create separation. And then you've got to dissolve the shell on the inward journey to your authentic self. And then you've got to make the shift of source. So those are the steps of the process. We're cultivating presence. Yep. Con connecting to our emotions and our body. Yep. Dissolving the shell and creating mm -hmm. space. Creating separation. Creating but separation. And then shifting source. And then and dissolving the shell and then shifting the source. Yes. Beautiful. And if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, I've got those. Do I try all of them at once? What are the first steps that that's, you often see folks going through? Part five of the book is the actual alignment process, right? So the first part of the book is the shift of perspective, gaining an understanding of what the model is and then what the process is. And then part five is the actual transformational process. So it's a step-by-step -step process you can take on your own by yourself, which is how you need to do it in order to make a transforma transformation for yourself so you're living an authentic life from the inside out. Beautiful. And Ron, if folks are listening and now they're excited, they want to find the book, they want to learn more about your work, where would you direct them? My website is www.befreelivefreeworkfree.com. It's also available on Amazon. And you can go to the website and see more about what I'm doing. You can also, there's also a link to the Amazon site to buy the book. Or you can go directly to Amazon and search for alignments, which is spelled I-L-I-G-N-M-E-N-T. And also my name is, you can search under my name, Ron Manseth, M-A-N-S-E-T-H. Beautiful. And Ron, last question. If every single person that identifies as a leader in the world were listening to this moment right now, and I could guarantee you that all of them would truly and deeply hear what you're about to say. What would you say to them? I would say that it's critically important to the world to find that authentic part of yourself and discover your inner purpose and show up in the world in service of a group of people you're destined to serve. And preferably finding that group of people that you'd like to make friends and friends with, you'd like to hang out with. And create, create the dynamic possibility, create the way you're showing up in the world that brings tremendous value into those people's lives. Find out what they need. 
truly find out what they need, find, determine, do the research and, and know them better than they know themselves and what they need. Bring that to the world. And when you're coming from the authentic part of yourself, try to discover that part of yourself is really important because you want to bring, and you're able to bring at that point, the thing that we all need in this world, which is unconditional love, a deep sense of peace, true freedom, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. And that sense of joy that you bring to each interaction. Change occurs one person at a time. The change starts with yourself first. Bring in tremendous value, as I just described, out into the world. And then connecting with people, even if they haven't gone through the work themselves, at a much deeper level, past the shell that they're living in, recognizing they're struggling, but connect with them at a much deeper level. Amen. Ron, a joy to be with you. Thanks for being here. And thank you so much, Matt. I feel really honored and blessed to have met you what, a couple months ago. And yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be with somebody that is also focused on really bringing a lot of love and value into the world for other people. I love your mission. I love what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. The admiration and appreciation is shared. I appreciate every conversation we have. I'm really just excited to see your work continue.